brought your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture this morning. We'll begin with John chapter 13, a couple of verses there. Last week I shared with you about a small book that I'd been reading by Dr. Tom Rainer entitled, I Am a Church Member. And in the book, Dr. Rainer shared the result of a research of his where he uh, researched 557 churches from 2004 to 2010. And he discovered that in that period of time, nine out of ten churches in America were declining or growing slower than their communities. The point being, uh, the church today in America is declining Dr. Rainer suggested, and and I tend to agree, that the reason is not necessarily our culture, although it plays a great part. It's not uh, our politics, however, that also plays a great part. It's not uncaring pastors, however, we do have some uncaring pastors. But the decline and the slow growth of our churches is that we have, as far as church members, Many church members have lost their biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. They have lost their biblical understanding. They've lost their biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of a local body of believers. And I shared with you last week how many have developed this country club attitude where we join a church and then we expect the church to serve us and we expect the church to feed us and to care for us. And, and I'll, I'll admit that, that, uh, it, that that's correct in some degree. That's part of the ministry of the local church, but it's not the total ministry of the local church. Biblical church membership is about born-again members functioning as active members of the body of Christ. We saw that in great detail last week in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 22. So biblical church membership is about born-again believers functioning as active members of the body of Christ. How we have been given uh, different spiritual gifts, natural abilities. Uh, Paul compared the church to the body and how the eye has its place and the ear has its place and, and the uh, nose has its place and the fingers and the feet and the hands have their place. And, and if, if you'll notice in the body, all the members function and so... Uh, The body of Christ is to be uh, a functioning body. So, biblical church membership means that we're all necessary parts of the whole. We're necessary. We discovered that biblical church membership means that we're different, but we still work together. And then, whatever we do or whatever we say is based on the biblical foundation of love. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter of the Bible. We hear it used a lot at weddings and 
we hear it used just talking about love in general. But really, Paul was addressing the church and said the church is to act in love in everything. Biblical church membership is when we're to be functioning members, meaning that we give abundantly, we give cheerfully, and then we serve and we minister without any hesitation whatsoever. So a biblical church member is a functioning, active, working member of the local body of Christ. And we also discovered that since Paul taught in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 about uh, the function of the body and compared to the function of the church, that there is no such thing biblically as an inactive church member. If you're an inactive church member, that's not biblical. The church member, a biblical church member, is to be active, it's supposed to be functioning. And so, uh, therefore, I am a church member simply means I'm a functioning member of a local body of believers, giving, giving cheerfully, giving abundantly, serving and ministering without hesitation. Someone comes up to you and says, are you a member of the church? Well, biblically speaking, if you're a biblical church member, then you are giving cheerfully, abundantly, serving, ministering without any hesitation. Because there is no such thing in the Word of God as an inactive church, an inactive, quote-unquote, an inactive church member. Now, I mentioned last week that I'll be using Dr. Rayner's chapter headings for my sermon titles, and I did last week. I'm a functioning church member, but today I want to use I'm a unifying member. I'm a unifying member. If you will, look at John 13. John 13, verse 34, and verse 35. And like I said, we have several passages, and I may get ahead of it. If you would, just jot those down and go back and look at them later. John 13, verse 34. John 13, verse 34. Let me find it myself. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment, Jesus is speaking. A new commandment, a new one, I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. Now keep in mind, we're talking about I'm a church member, we're talking about a biblical church member, and so he's speaking to us as a biblical church member, a new commandment I give to you, speaking to his disciples, speaking to us that you love one another as I've loved you, and that you also love one another. Now, if you notice, as, as John, John Phillips suggested in his commentary, the new commandment has an impulse. It's found in verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, the impulse, that you love one another. Peter, you and John... You have a different temperament, but you need to love one another. Terry, Kyle, you have different temperaments, but you need to love one another. Simon, Matthew, you have different backgrounds. You came from different sides of the track, so to speak. But you need to love one another. Darren, Andrew, Dowling, Thomas. You have different personalities all together, but you need to love one another. 
Well, how are we to do that, Lord? As I have loved you. See the impulse? You have the impulse. As I have loved you. What do you mean, Lord? Well, you just simply love with the love that I've loved you. You need to love each other with that unselfish love. You need to love each other with that love that suffers long. You need to love each other with that love that is kind. Listen, guys. You can hear him. Listen, guys. You need to love with that love that's even stronger than death. Jesus said, I'm going away, but you're going to be here. And, and while I'm away, you need to love each other as I've loved you. So love one another. So this love is the new law. The impulse. What brings it about. What gives it life. And what brings it about in our lives is that we love as He loved us. Now notice the impulse, verse 34, but there's an impact, verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. The impact it makes. It makes an impact. If you love someone like Jesus loves you, you're going to make an impact on their life like Jesus made an impact on your life. So love one another. Now notice the impact. As I have loved you by, by this, by this, by this love, verse 35, shall all men know that you're my disciples. If... You have love one to another. And so the badge of true discipleship, the badge of a, a biblical church member, it's not your doctrinal statement, and it's not about rituals that you have been through. It's, it's not about your zeal for soul winning. It's not about your zeal for mission work, it's not about your faithfulness, it's not about music, the badge of biblical discipleship and church, biblical church membership is love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. So when you get saved, God expects you to be a part of His church. He expects you to be a part of the local body of believers but He wants you to be a unifying presence in that body. Now let me correct myself. I said that He wants you to be a unifying presence in that body. No, He demands you to be a unifying presence in the body of Christ. Now, first of all, unity is important. The most important aspect of of any athletic sport, team sport, whether it's football or basketball or baseball or soccer, the, the most important aspect of any team sport is unity. I mean, I, I know ability is important. I know there's, there's great athletes. I, I know that ability is very important. But to have a winning team, there must be unity. Unity is crucial. Unity is critical in any team sport. Now, a person, 
you know, a person must be a team player. You hear that from time to time. You know, they're just a team player. You know, they'll interview uh, an athlete after a ball game, and he said, well, we're, we're just all team players. You know, we're on the team together. It's not just me, real humble. It's not just me, but it, it takes the team. Well, they're right. Unity is very critical in sports in order for a team to win. It's not about the quarterback. It's not about the running back. It's not about this person or that person. It really boils down to the team and how the team works together and how the team functions and how the team runs the play of the head coach and everyone's in their place doing their thing. They're functioning. There's that word again. If they function and if they work as a team, they're going to get some things accomplished. So with that kind of of analogy, God's the head coach. He's drawn up the plan for the team. He's drawn up the plan for the church. It's up to the pastor, the, the assistant coach, so to speak, to train the team, to encourage the team, to challenge the team, to teach the plays to the team, to make sure the team is, 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 is on the you know, same page as the head coach. However, it takes the team. You can have the best coach that Alabama or Auburn's ever had, say that, and have a lousy team, and you're not going to have a championship. It takes the team, see. It's about the team. It's about unity. So it takes the team. It takes each member to win a championship And that in mind, it takes each member, the body of Christ, in order to reach a community for the kingdom of God. Unity. So unity is vital to the health of a church. That means that a biblical church member contributes to the unity of the team. Jot down Ephesians 5. I believe it may be on the screen. I believe Ty has them up. Ephesians 5. Uh, Ephesians 1, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, verse 15. Notice what he says. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, notice the B part of that, and the love unto all the saints. This is what Paul said. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and the love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. Paul says, I'm thankful for your faith and your love for all the saints. Imagine that. Paul says, I want to thank you for showing love to one another. Loving one another. Turn over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what Paul continues to say. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... I beseech you that you walk worthy of vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Does a preacher ever become overbearing to you? He says, you need to be, you need to be forbearing with one another. You ever said, well, that person's just overbearing. Well, the Christ-like spirit is that we need to be forbearing. With all lowness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in, in love. In love, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity. Here it is, to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 
You and I live, or you and I have, I should say, you and I have a responsibility as a biblical church member to be the source of unity. We're to make sure that we have this bond of peace with each other. Now, we're never to be a divisive force. I'm not. You're not. The pastor's not to be a divisive force. The members of the body are not to be a divisive force. We're to love each other unconditionally. Now, it doesn't mean that we're always going to agree with each other. But we seek unity with one another. So unity is very important. So what is unity? It's critical as far as church membership goes. And then, number two, gossip and negative talk. Let's talk about that for a moment. Look, if you will, at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 29. Romans 1, 29. Paul, he says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignant, whispers, backbiters, Whispers now. Whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. He runs the whole gamut there. And he talks about those whisperers. It's referred to as, another translation, as gossipers, or those that do idle talk, or those that carry rumors, or those that have personal, private information about someone else. He says that gossip is bad. <laughs> gossip is bad. Why is that? Because it's destructive to any church. It's bad. Gossip can destroy a church. It's bad. A unified church is powerful. It can do anything God has for it to do. But, but gossip can render a church powerless. So you can go from a powerful church... And all of a sudden you get a gossip or you get gossipers and carrying this rumor and that tale and this rumor and that tale and all of a sudden that powerful church becomes a powerless church. Gossipers. When I was in retail years and years ago, one thing that I just could not tolerate was gossip. Um, gossip was just not tolerated. Why was that? Because it tears down unity. All of a sudden, you got this person upset, this person, that person's upset, that person, this person's upset. And it's all based on primarily gossip, rumors. James had something real strong to say about gossip. So look, if you will, at James 3. James 3, verse 6. It talks about the tongue. James 3, verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. 
that it defileth the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature, and it set on fire of hell. So how do you respond to a gossip in the church? I like what Rainer said. I'm going to give you what he said in his book. It's really good. He says two things. First of all, advice when it comes to gossip. Number one, if you don't know if it's gossip or not, just don't mention it. Better off not to say a word about it. He said number two, and if someone begins to share gossip with you, just rebuke that person in a gentle way. In a gentle way. Just say, I'd rather not hear any gossip. And I would hope that you would not to continue to spread gossip. And see, if you do that, and if I do that, then we'd be a unifier in the church. And after a while, when word got around, people would know that gossip's not welcomed and not tolerated at Mountain View Baptist Church. We're just not going to listen to it. 1 Peter 3, verse 10. Listen to God's word. 1 Peter 3, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days. Notice that. For he that will love life and see good days... Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. My goodness. Peter said, you want to love life? You want to see good days? Have a good life? See good days? Then watch your tongue. Control your tongue. Stop the gossip. Instead, be a unifier. Unifying the body. So a biblical church member is a unifying church member. Unity is critical. Gossip and negative talk is destructive. Then I jotted this down. Forgiveness is essential for unity in a church. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Some of you have heard this recently. For if you forgive men their trespasses... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you or forgive your trespasses. Simply put, it's it's uh, a saved person will forgive. Now, about a month ago, we completed a six-week study uh, on unforgiveness. Those of you who attended, we learned a lot. Uh, we learned that God had a standard when it came to forgiveness. And that standard was that I'm to forgive everybody for everything. And we learned that forgiveness consists of a crisis. And that forgiveness consists of a process. We learned about the crisis. And we learned about the process. And we ended our study with a funeral. And we had a casket. And we had, um, we had forgiveness cards. And, and people uh, on that card, it had the name and it had the pain. And it had the name of the person and it had the pain they'd caused. And during the invitation, they'd come by and they'd put those cards 
One person said to me, I've dealt with this for 30 years and I'm finished with it. They were serious about forgiveness. I feel like that's one problem that's holding revival back in churches because we're still mad at each other. And they walk by and they put those cards in that wooden casket and then we followed the casket out to the cemetery and we buried it. And when you drive by, you pass by where we buried our unforgiveness. There's a monument being made now for that grave. It says, we chose to forgive. June the 14th, 2015, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Just remember the church is made up of imperfect people. Pastor's not perfect. The members aren't perfect. We all make mistakes. We all sin. And we're going to be in bad shape if we're not willing to forgive each other. And when we don't forgive, then our unity is torn apart in what God would have us to be. So forgiveness is essential to the unity of the church. So this morning, I hope you see that church membership is more than just getting your name on a roll. The Bible, biblical church membership, is, is active. Uh, it's different from the country club membership we talked about last week where you just pay some dues and all of a sudden you get your perks and you get privileges and, and then uh, it's not like belonging to a civic organization. Biblical church memberships about sacrificing, about giving, and about forgiving. Last week, uh, some of you made a pledge about being a functional church member. Today, there's another pledge. I'll show it to you. It's asking us to pledge ourselves to be a source of unity at Mountain View Baptist Church. Let's look at this together. Here's the pledge. Let this, I pray, be your prayer. I'll seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect pastors or staff or other church members, but neither am I. I'll not be a source of gossip or dissension. And one of the greatest contributions that I can make is to do all that I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. Now today, the most important commitment you'll ever make is to be saved. You need to be willing today, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, stands and kind of knocks at your heart's door. Perhaps he's been knocking for a long time. But he may be still knocking today. And that knock is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit on your life to give your heart and life to Jesus. It's not about being a Baptist or being a member of some other church, but it's about knowing Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So the most important commitment decision you'll ever make is to be saved. So I pray today if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, while you have this opportunity that you'll come. And then if you're here and a Christian, I pray that you'll, that you'll make the pledge. 
Brother Ty, could we put that back up there, Joel? I'm sorry. If you'll make the pledge in our invitation time in just a few minutes. Just make that pledge. Look at it again and read it. And say, you know, I believe God's speaking in my heart that I need to be a unifier. I believe the Bible teaches that. And I went back and just thought about the history of our church. And for 94 years, God's used this church to reach us community and to reach our town and then across the nations with the gospel of Jesus. Mountain View Baptist Church has existed because of previous generations were willing to remain unified. They were willing to love like Jesus loved and they were willing to make an impact. And so today... I pray that you'll be willing to do the same thing. If you're a member of Mountain View Baptist Church, this, our faith family, if you're not a member, I pray that you would consider being a, a member of Mountain View Baptist Church, a biblical member, a functioning member, one that will function and one who loves to see unity and that you would love to be a part of of this church. We'd love to have you to be a part of our church, our team, and <clears throat> we would look and be excited for you to make that choice. If you feel this is where God's leading you, you're welcomed. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to continue to think about I'm a church member. Thank you for reminding us that we're to be biblically church members, meaning we're to be functioning church members. And then we're to be unifiers in the church. It's been real simple this morning. It's hard to practice at times. So we pray today you'll speak to our hearts that we'll be able to make this pledge and then to go on and be about our Father's business. Thank you for those that you have used over the years. Lord, to uh, continue the work here and be with us as we commit ourselves today to, to be unified in the effort of sharing the gospel to this community, our town, and across the nations. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's gone.